You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Songs have so much to tell us about the places where they come from. A while back, we did a series of elsewheres that focused on this exact idea. We picked four songs from around the world, and we talked about the ways in which they reflect the politics in the countries that they're from. We're taking a short break this week from regular programming, but on this episode of Worldly from the Vox Media Podcast Network, we're going to give you all of those songs, all of those neat little elsewhere segments in one convenient place. So today we're going to start with a song from South Korean pop star Suga. It tells us a lot about mental health in the state of South Korean society. First, let's hear a little bit of this. Now, he's a K-pop star, but the song sounds a little bit more like Linkin Park than anything else. Fair warning. So what he's saying here is, it was around 18 when my social phobia began. Sometimes I'm afraid of myself thanks to my self-hatred. Other times in the songs, he says things like, the memories I want to erase from that day at the concert, I was afraid of people, so I hid in the bathroom and stared at myself. It's very clear what he's talking about here. It's, it's a personal, emotional, and mental breakdown. Sometimes he talks about going to therapy with his parents. And this isn't normal for K-pop, right, Alex? Not even close. Um, in fact, South Korean music industry has usually been very sanitized and, and censored. And on top of that, this kind of music, which is exported around the world, is supposed to be mostly kind of happy. and and Or even if it's sad, it's supposed to kind of have a message that's universal. And so anything that kind of gets personal to the pop star or on personal issues, that's usually kind of taken out of these kinds of songs. Right. Like, it's like fluffy, like kind of romance, but like really kind of candy poppy. Like, it's very chaste. It's definitely not usually things like, I was afraid of people, so I hid in the bathroom and stared at myself. What's really interesting about this is it's not just Suga by himself. The band that he's in, BTS, it's one of the most popular K-pop acts in the world. It's huge. It's just massive, even in, in the U.S. now. And they also talk a lot about mental health, social alienation. This is just really breaking the mold for a K-pop band, not just in a solo act, but also the main act. Yeah, like imagine the Backstreet Boys are in sync or something like that talking about this. Like that's how big this is. They're, they're just a massive act worldwide. And songs like this are well-received and actually like celebrated in South Korea. And there's a reason for that, right? South Korea actually has the 10th highest suicide rate in the entire world and the second in the OECD after Lithuania. And now if you, if you really 
go into the numbers, there's the suicide rate is distributed surprisingly around ages. Like there's a lot among the elderly, but it's the top cause of death for South Koreans aged 10 to 39. That's a large age range. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And the number one cause, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The leading cause of death. Wow. It's not clear why. There's been a lot of research as to what's going on, but no no one's really sure. The point, rather, is that South Korea has a mental health crisis. And it's also the case that in popular culture and in public discourse, most of the conversation surrounding that mental health crisis has been suppressed, right? It's rare to hear someone as prominent as Suga talking about it. Right. And that's why these songs are so interesting because, you know, they're hugely popular. And if you listen to BTS's music, there are other songs like this one, you know, about the singer's mental health. But there are also songs about things like the immense pressure that South Korean students face in school. It's not scientific, but the extreme popularity of the band definitely suggests that this message is resonating with people at like a really basic level. Or at least they're using their popularity to bring up really important issues that South Korean society needs to talk about. Yeah, that's right. And so K-pop is often stereotyped as being dumb and shallow and shiny, but it actually has become this really important vehicle for social expression in South Korea, for bringing elements of the country's society to the fore that have been pushed to the margins, but are, are, are really important. Uh, now, the second song in the series also brings a more marginal part of society, you know, to the front of public attention. But to be clear, it does it in a really different way. We're going to talk about a band that we do not endorse. They're longtime sympathizers of a Marxist militant group in Turkey. But the government's changing reaction to the band over the course of time tells us a lot about what's going on in Turkey today. So back up, Jen, give us like the, the presses of what's going on with this group. <laughs> It's pray see. Uh, <laughs> pray tell. <laughs> so, yeah, so to back up, this band is called Group Yorum. It's G R U P Y O R U M. And they've been around since the 1980s. They have sympathies with a group called DHKPC. Now, this is a Marxist group that is considered a terrorist organization. The group, not the band, the group attacked the U.S. consulate in Istanbul and they also suicide bombed a police station. And to be clear, this band does have songs that seem to condone violence. All right, so that sounds super happy and, and, and energetic, but what they're saying is, and this is a rough translation, armed with your young rage, we have your rocks in our arms, the fight you taught us is ours, it's growing on our shoulders, growing. And, and this is really a statement that they're willing to go out and fight for the Turkish lower class, the proletariat, the suppressed people, they have sympathies with Kurdish separatists, right? This is more or less an endorsement of militant struggle, if not outright violence. Now, they've been saying things like this for decades in their lyrics, right? And it's gotten them in trouble in the past, but the past two years have been different. They've seen a concerted crackdown on the group's ability to perform. They've been arrested, a lot of members of them. Like, it's really, really serious crackdown. So have they gotten a lot more militant in recent years? Like, are they doing more open shows? Like, what's what's going on? No. Yeah, what's the deal? No, that's the weird thing, is not only is the group not different in terms of their lyrics, but 
that is to say group Yoram, but the terrorist group that they're a fan of, DHKPC, has not actually become more powerful recently. In fact, it's the opposite. They've gotten weaker, not stronger. So then why are they cracking down now if they're, like, less threatening, right? Like, the music is, like, not even affiliated with a super powerful group. What's the deal? So, first, it's important to understand just how serious this crackdown is. Currently, 11 members of the band are in jail. Two have left and sought asylum in France. In October, the lawyer who is defending Group Yoram in trial was jailed himself. Like, the lawyer who was trying to defend them was thrown in jail, right? And th that's actually an isolated incident. Lawyers around Turkey have been detained for defending people the government doesn't like. And that, Jen, that speaks to the answer to your question. Because the answer has nothing to do with Group Yoram itself and everything to do with the nature of Turkey's current government. Right. So Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has been cracking down on, like, all facets of Turkish society, especially since there was a, a coup attempt trying to remove him from power a few years back. And, I mean, we've seen, like, a crackdown on, on journalists, on people, you know, members of civil society, government officials, teachers. Like, there's not really, like, a, a segment of Turkish society that hasn't been affected. We're talking thousands of people rounded up and put in prison. So I guess, yeah, that would make sense that, like— if you're doing all of that, you might as well get this band who's been advocating violence against the government. Hey, let's go ahead and round those guys up too, right? Yeah, I mean, so in effect, uh, to maybe put a bow on it, it seems like the band itself, even though it's weaker, hasn't changed so much in its content, but the context around the band has changed. Or maybe Erdogan just doesn't really like awesome piccolo solos. That could it could be it. But like He hates the piccolo. <laughs> that, it's a well-known fact that, about Turkey's quasi-dictator. If you take anything away from this conversation. <laughs> also, we literally just made that up. That's not a fact <laughs> that we're aware of. He's also a very good friends with Lindsay Lohan, which is just a weird no, thing. No, but that's actually true, right? Yes. So, um, so to conclude, Erdogan... <laughs> loves Lindsay Lohan. Hates democracy. Who knows about the piccolo? And after the break, we'll be taking you to the United Kingdom, and we'll be talking about one of my personal favorite bands. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, welcome back. We're continuing our conversation about music from around the world that's telling or interesting about the place that it came from. This third segment focuses on an indie pop song that actually has a lot to say about growing social divisions inside Western society. So to start, the song is called The Fall of Home. It's by Los Campesinos, a band that formed in Wales and one of my, probably honestly, my personal favorite band. I've seen them live more times than I can count. But let's start by listening to the song. So if you don't speak English, what they're saying there <laughs> is battery dies on your monthly call. Monthly? Budget cut at your primary school, which I believe here in America means elementary school. Yes, that's right. Look, it, the the meaning behind the lyrics here, right? What's, what's going on is a conversation about the state of British society and, in some ways, the larger West after the financial crisis. Right, the economy, too, right? Right, After yeah. austerity. Right. So budget cuts to your primary school reflect the fact that social services have been slashed as part of austerity programs in response to the financial crisis. I think the key lyric here is gave the fascists a thousand ticks. Now, who in the What UK does a thousand tick mean? Votes. That means votes okay, at the ballot box. Me, I think of ticks like the bugs, and I was like, why would you give them ticks? That's weird. No, like tick marks Got on it. a ballot. Got it. And now, who might that be referring to in the United Kingdom? I'm going to guess the Brexiteers? Yeah, probably this I'm band. I'm throw out Nigel Farage. Right. I know that this band hates the Tory party, the conservatives, so it could be them, but more likely it's the United Kingdom Independence Party, UKIP, which was the driving force behind Brexit, the sort of third party that is really hardcore nativist, anti-immigrant, and stuff like that. Brexit seemed to be more popular in rural communities more so than in cosmopolitan centers, and just by the lyrics of the song that seemed to imply that they're talking about more, like, rural communities. Right. That's No, that's the division the song is picking up on, right? Like, Los Campesinos is a band that has traveled around the world. They've recorded their albums in the U.S. and Portugal. What does Los Campesinos mean? It's the peasants in Spanish. Oh, I don't I know. exactly know why they picked it, being well, a British band, but— as I was saying, they're a band that has been in a lot of different places, uh, and the song reflects the fact that rural communities in the UK are, are different and in, alienated from these people like them who feel comfortable in cities around the world, in different places, in, in these cosmopolitan environments, and feel distinct and separate from small town, England, Wales, Scotland, which has become increasingly conservative and insular. It sounds like a reverse country song in a weird sense. Like Instead of the virtues of the small town, it's how sad the small towns yeah, have become and how yeah. sad it is to be alienated from it. It's not clear to me whether or not the song reflects like their actual biography, like that the character is in the song is actually the story of the lead singer. Right. Fair, but, yeah. but it's it, a story they're telling. Yeah. And it's a story that has like really broad resonance, not just in Britain, but in the US, uh, where rural urban divides were a massive, massive indicator of Republican versus Democratic support in the last election, and in other Western countries where populists on the right have their biggest support base in rural communities. So I just think it's really fascinating that this deep social divide that we've talked about a number of times on the show as a major driver of political behavior, that it's becoming so well-known and so significant culturally that bands and artists are starting to 
remake their work around it. Like it's bleeding into to pop culture and music and art in a way that's going beyond like standard political divides. And the final song in our series is also a vivid example of lyrics that speak to major political issues in the society that it's from. This time we're going to listen to a song that may sound a little bit familiar at first. This is Nigeria. So that's a Nigerian version of Childish Gambino's This Is America by an artist named Falls. How do you spell that? F-A-L-Z. And while the original song was about institutional and social racism inside the United States, the Nigerian version is about financial corruption and the use of the state to enrich public officials. So let's break it down. This is Nigeria. Where Madame Philomena? Money vanished for your office. That is You toss in an animal. Okay, so what's going on there? Yeah, this is one of my favorite lyrics from the song. He's saying... Madam Philomena, money vanished from your office. That's an incident where a public official uh, named Philomena, 36 million in Nigerian currency disappeared from her office. And when people asked where it went, presumably she took it, she said a snake ate it. Yes, a snake ate my money. Sorry, 36 million in Nigerian currency, a snake, one snake ate that? Uh, presumably, yes. That, is, a that very, must be a very large snake. That loves paper. Yeah, this is an interesting version of Dog Ate My Homework. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's what right. I was thinking. This is a real official, and that's a real excuse that she made. And it, you know, in the song, it's illustrating just how broken the government is, that you can brazenly lie and say, a snake ate my money. But there's more, too, in the song. And it, it, the lyrics are really dense with meaning and references. <laughs> So what's that about the police station? Yeah, what's they, going on there? They closed by six. Okay, not actually, right? It's it's more about their the lack of resources and the corruption of the institutions. So like at one point, this is a real incident, not just an exaggeration, like in the song, the police headquarters had to save money on diesel, and so the lights went out, right? Like, there was no power in the police station after dark in one. And it it illustrates how under-resourced, vital uh, okay. public institutions are because largely of corruption. And, like, pol politicians, uh, billions and billions, and they don't go to prison, is basically what he's saying. Correct, yes. Well, because of those snakes, they keep taking the money. Right, right. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that the Nigerian government was not super thrilled with Falsa Song. No, in fact, it got banned on public radio. There, there were a few different arguments the government offered. One is that its depiction of ethnic tensions in Nigeria was offensive, uh, which I really don't think it was, and neither do experts in Nigeria who were talking about it. And the the sort of more obvious reason is the government didn't like it, right? Because it and, made them look bad, right? I mean, if, if you're calling all politicians and all, and all the institutions of the state criminal, I mean, yeah, that would make sense, right? Yeah, <laughs> they sent him a note saying it was banned for being insulting to the government. But when we talk about the ethnic tensions, I, I think it's really important to point out, if you watch the video, the part of the government's claim was that it was offensive because there was a beheading scene 
and there were women dancing in hijabs. And they were like, that's a really offensive, like, characterization of the ethnic tensions that are going on in Nigeria, right? Yeah, that was their argument. Right. But I, I just don't think that's true. The first thing, debatable, the beheading, I think, uh, it's it, that was a design to reference tensions with herders, the Fulani tribesmen, who have been in conflict with other Nigerians and killing them. And the second thing, the hijabs, that's a reference to a case you may be familiar with of women being abducted by the militant group Boko Haram and disappeared, young girls specifically from schools. And the government didn't do nearly enough initially in the eyes of a lot of Nigerians to deal with these abductions. Right. So this is all like a bunch of stuff. I mean, everything from like shitty infrastructure, the corruption of the government, the police, the you know failure of the government to handle ethnic conflict appropriately. Like, this is all jam-packed into this one single song, right? I find that when we depict countries in Africa or whoever it may be, it's always about these kinds of issues, right? Corruption, et cetera, et cetera. What we rarely talk about are the kind of movements on the ground that oppose these forces, right? right. Like, Fultz's song shows that there is a, a wellspring of people who are upset with the way Nigerian government or this kind of governance happens. Uh, and that they're, the fact that there are experts in Nigeria that support the song, surely people, you know, that listened, that wanted to listen to it support the song and what it represents. Right. I think what's really important, I think that's a great point, is that you mentioned this uh, before we started taping, Alex, that like you've seen versions of this song being done for a whole bunch of countries, right? When Zach brought up this song, I started YouTubing, not this one, and then all of a sudden, you know, recommended to watch like all these countries. I went down a real big rabbit hole and they all kind of go to their country's problems and they show their societal ills. And it's showing, I think, in this particular case with the this is X country phenomenon, like in this format, you can very creatively through video and through song go at the issues of your country and perform, uh, in a way, a service to, to the citizenry. And that's where we're leaving this episode on music from around the world. Now, obviously, we only hit a tiny sample size. Four songs is a drop in the bucket of all songs that say something interesting about the politics or society of the place where they're from. So now we want to hear from you. We want you to write us at worldlyatfox.com with songs that are meaningful to you, the society that you come from, or another one, something that tells us something interesting about the world. I want to thank our producer, Bird Pinkerton, and I want to encourage all of you to rate, subscribe, and review to Worldly wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.